Windows, Decentralized Healthcare and Biosensing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to join Windows Decentralized Healthcare and Biosensing discussion series. I'm Miriam, the webinar host today, and I'm in charge of business development division in Windows. Since we have many friends from all over the world, so I would like to say good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to all of you. Welcome. Windows is a biotech company focusing on promoting decentralized healthcare and biosensing. So we would like to offer a platform to connect domain experts and various players who share the same vision and currently working in the decentralized healthcare or biosensing space through our regular webinars and discussions. We hope to share the latest developments in the field and create value for our partners, our clients, and to create awareness and business opportunity to accelerate the development and uh, decentralized healthcare ecosystem together. So today we are very excited to have Dr. Beverly to be our speaker of our first webinar. So she will bring us a very interesting, insightful and inspiring sharing on the topic of digital health and the point of care, accelerate decentralized healthcare. So let me have a brief introduction of Dr. Beverly. She got her PhD from University of Auckland, New Zealand, and she has over 10 years of interdisciplinary experiences in biomedical engineering, marketing, and also business development. She's not only very outstanding in her academia research, and she also has very uh, experienced in terms of the commercialization. She helped to connect talents and resources between Taiwan and Stanford when she was a visiting scholar in medical school in Stanford. She is very, uh, really an ambassador on promoting digital health and point of care technology. So today we are very glad to have her to share her insights with us. So let's welcome Dr. Beverly. All right, hello. Um, can everyone hear me? Clearly, yeah. All right. Um, so thank you, Miriam, for the uh, introductions, and um, and thank you for Windows for inviting me to um, this webinar. Uh, I'm very delighted to share about um, my experiences and what I've seen uh, in terms of digital health and point of care, and how it accelerates uh, decentralized healthcare. All right, um, I hope everyone can see my screen and hear me well. All right, thank you. So um, yeah, today we will talk about um, digital health and point of care and how it accelerates the decentralized healthcare. Um, and I think Miriam has introduced me before. Um, this is just a short bio of me. Um, I, I had um, experience in uh, development of medical devices about eight years. Um, now I'm a assistant professor at Zhongyun Christian University, and we're looking into um, digital health, uh, especially digital therapeutics, and how it integrates with um, a smart wearable device uh, to solve uh, health conditions. All right, so um, today's agenda, uh, I will start off with um, some current issues in healthcare and probably mostly in the US and some of them from a global point of view. 
And then I'll talk about where the business opportunities lies. Uh, what are other people? What are other people doing out there right now? And then I'll touch base on digital therapeutics. It is actually a subcategory of digital health, and it is a a, a very popular uh, topic right now, and it's trending in, in the healthcare sector, um, and in terms of investment as well. So. Um, I guess everyone knows that because of the COVID, um, actually uh, the healthcare staff shortages is actually a real problem, uh, especially the nursing staff. Um, another issue is that um, it actually has been happening uh, a long time before COVID-19 that the medical staff uh, are pretty burnt out. The burnout rate is really high. And it's not only in the U.S. I heard this a lot um, in the U.S. Even at Stanford, um, the uh, burnout rate for the healthcare professions at Stanford University or Stanford Hospital was really high as well. It was a real issue way before COVID nineteen. But I think COVID nineteen really exacerbates the problems. And it's not only in the U.S. You can see the data that actually. 49% of the respondents say that they're feeling at least somewhat burnt out um, worldwide. So it's actually a real issues um, in terms of how the healthcare professional are, uh, the load, the burden of them is actually really high. All right, so um, interesting thing is that uh, also people are realizing that um, the Hospital uh, is not the only place where the health needs are. Um, it's actually beyond the hospital. When the patient finishes the, their treatment and being discharged from the hospital, the patient's being discharged from the hospitals and they need to do rehab at home, right? Or even way before the patients get ill, how do we prevent diseases? or how do we achieve early diagnosis? And so this is actually the entire um, health needs. It's not just only focusing uh, when, when the patient is in the hospital. So I think the, the workload of the healthcare system is actually a lot more. Uh, it's not only being narrowed at the hospitals and also that the um, business opportunities that we have, it's not, we, we don't need to limit ourselves in terms of treatments in the hospital, it could be anything else that I've mentioned right here. All right, so um, now um, a lot of the real innovations um, in terms of medical devices or um, the healthcare solutions, they really focus on practice space. They, they really focus on creating value. And in terms of value is um, quantifiable value that you probably could um, convert it into um, the financial outcomes. So in terms of uh, if I use this innovative solutions, for example, an innovative device, it could shorten the length of a hospital stay, lower the number of staff, or reduce procedure time, or you shift the intervention to a lower cost provider. It doesn't need to be in the hospital. It could be done at, at a clinic or even being done at home by a lay person, then you're really uh, lowering that healthcare cost. So uh, a lot of innovation right now, um, they are really shifting into um, somewhat, some of these signposts, uh, for example. 
All right, so um, that's kind of the uh, overview of what's going on in the healthcare systems and what people are really looking into. And now if I look from the technology's perspective and how technology has made a huge difference in our daily life compared to, for example, a decade ago. And I kind of summarize it here. Our daily life is actually uniquely characterized with digital footprints um, from the mobile devices that we carry and use, from the online shopping sites that they could know about our shopping habits and recommend similar products that we may want to purchase, from the social media platform where we can uh, share our photos or our personal stories, or even from the entertainment platforms like Netflix or Disney Plus, from our viewing history, they know what is our next favorite drama or movie. And lastly, we're adopting a lot more smart home devices into our home, into our life. For example, the Google Home or the Amazon Alexia that we used it to control appliances um, through voice. So all the digital footprints being left behind from using these devices or platforms really help us to understand what's going on in our daily life. What, is our what does our habit look like? What does our lifestyle look like? And also from these digital footprints or data, if we can collect them from these devices and platform, we know, we probably will know, give us a peek into our daily health conditions as well. And then this is actually what digital health um, is doing right now. All right, so um, I think digital health combined with the point of care is actually compares to the traditional healthcare approach. It becomes a Netflix approach that basically revolutionized the traditional healthcare to increase the access of the patient's access to get care where and when they need it immediately. So for example, um, this uh, picture is right here. Uh, if you want to get an ultrasound scan, normally you need to go to a hospital or a clinic to get the scan from this big and bulky machines um, um, to, to get a scan, right? But now Butterfly, um, it is a company, they developed a handheld uh, ultrasound device, which can be plugged into any mobile device. And then you can perform the scan anywhere on anyone, right? So, but then of course, uh, if you compare these two machines, the uh, resolutions of this handheld device is not as great as this traditional machine, but with the machine learning software backbone, it can compensate the hardware capabilities. So this is actually uh, kind of this point of care device. Um, it is actually revolutionizing the, the traditional healthcare. It doesn't need to be done in the hospital or at a clinic. It could be done at home uh, or anywhere, any, anywhere you want. All right, um, so, um, and also digital health and point of care, I think it transformed the traditional healthcare through this uberizations mechanisms, right? So for example, um, the, if a patient uh, with a wearable device, uh, they could get a notifications when the health um, is deviating from normal. 
or with a mobile phone, the doctor doesn't need to do, no longer need to do the um, checkup in the clinic or at a hospital. Uh, it can be done on the Uber ride. You know? And also because of this, um, digital health and the availability of point of care devices, it also allows the um, access from families and friends um, support, right? So family and friends, now they can join the consultations via like the Zoom call that we have right now um, to support and also encourage the, the, the patients so that the patients is motivated to, you know, become healthier. So all in all, um, I think patients' expectations and um, involvements in their um, healthcare conditions, health conditions uh, are really changing to more uh, value-based value care because of the digital health and point of care. Um, I think this, this is from the examples of the US. Um, Walmart is a really big uh, supermarket in the US. Um, they, they realized this, that the, the healthcare in US is pretty broken. Um, the cost is very high. Um, service is actually really poor. And most importantly that we have talked just as I mentioned before, the access um, and convenience is actually lacking um, in the US. Um, and Walmart, I think they leverage on their strengths where um, they have a lot of shops across um, US, right? And almost any, um, um, any, uh, any area that will have a Walmart supermarket so that if they get into healthcare, um, they set up a clinic like what they have done right here, um, right beside the supermarkets, they could really um, offer or increases the access of um, people to, to, to the healthcare. So actually over uh, in the US, they have about 5,000 plus locations across US. And then I think they, they are trying to um, increase that accessibility um, in terms of healthcare. Another example is um, Amazon's. Uh, what they have disrupted is that they also have, um, they also own Whole Food, and Whole Food is like a supermarket as well. Um, through that, they can set up mini clinics and also recommend um, their patients after they've done a kind of a medical consultations, they can recommend them healthy food or um, uh, a good, uh, you know, recipes for a healthy meal to them immediately. So they're not really looking just at, oh, when the patient is ill, I'm going to treat you. I'm also going to prevent you from getting ill as well by providing you um, healthy food or, in, or supplements, for example. So that's, I think, one thing similar to what Walmart is doing right now. Another aspect is that Amazon have done is they leverage on their uh, logistic capability, right? So they're providing um, pill pack. That's what they're doing. So they're bringing pharmacy to you at your doorstep. So you don't really need to go to the pharmacy, um, the real pharmacy, uh, in terms of the in terms of the real locations. Now they can deliver you the pill. Um, through their logistic channels. So they're really bringing um, healthcare to your home. You don't really need to go to a specific location in order to get healthcare. 
So I think what um, if I summarize it, we really see a decentralization of healthcare. Um, when back in the day, we probably need to see a specialist. Now we don't probably need to probably don't need to um, get a specific surgery from a specialist anymore. We can probably decentralize it to probably to get it from the nurse or even the technicians or even a, a lay person or even family and friends at home that the healthcare can be done, right? So we're decentralizing it. And if, if we really have a serious problem, then we go to a hospital. Otherwise it can all be done at home or nearby your home. Another thing is in terms of location, we don't really need to get healthcare at the hospital like what I've mentioned. Um, we probably can get it um, from the mini clinic nearby our home or even at homes. So we're really seeing that change happening in, in, in the healthcare um, systems. Um, and because of this, um, I think the, uh, we, it cannot only be done by the big medtech companies. And I think that's why the high-tech companies, they're also interested so there, there is actually a vertical integrations, um, like what I mentioned, Walmart, Amazon's, even Google's, um, they're all interested in the healthcare sector's business, right? And one thing, another th interesting thing is, I'd like to show you this poster. Um, and this poster is about a digital health seminar um, actually being provided by my supervisor at Stanford, uh, Peter Fitzgerald. Um, he was a keynote speaker at the seminar. But one thing I would like you to notice is that, did you see anything that is kind of weird on this poster? It's a digital house webinar. And did you see that in terms of their panel, their panelists, none of them are from the big medtech company that you probably heard before, like Johnson Johnson's, Medtronic, right? Even Pfizer's or Moderna that you have heard recently. None of them are on the panel, right? Now you see Samsung, Boss, Nike, Facebook. What do they have in common? What they have in common is they produce products that, that's in our daily life. Right, Samsung they make cell phone. Boss they make headphones. Um, Nike they wear they wait they make um, clothing and shoes. Facebook that we use every day on our phone. The social media, they are interested in digital health, or they've been invited for as the panels. And the reason behind it is because digital health is getting into our life right, into our home, into our daily life. It's not, so these products, they, they're around us all the time. And through, those, through these devices or clothing, for example, or mechanisms, they know about what's happening in our daily life. And through there, we can provide a different house care than the traditional house care. So I think that's, this is a very interesting um, kind of a, little train that we see on this poster. All right, so now we really see a revolution in terms of healthcare. Um, these are life sciences or med tech companies that we used to hear, we used to hear before. Um, IT companies, Google, Amazon, Samsung, they're interested as well. 
Um, now, even retail, like what I mentioned, Walmart, they're getting into the healthcare sector to increase that accessibility um, of health. All right, Walgreens, CVS, Pharmacy, they're similar to Walmart. They're retailers, um, but they're getting into the healthcare sectors. And lastly is the entertainment, Netflix, Boss, Disney, and why they're interested in healthcare and how can they, um, what can they do in the healthcare sectors? That's a very interesting point because how can entertainment do with health, right? But if you can imagine how, when you watch a Hollywood movie, sometimes that movie really touches you, right? That really moves your heart, right? And imagine that through these dramas or uh, movies, if they can, through some of the mechanisms they've been, they put in it or some psychology behind it, they could use these kind of elements in the video to change the behavior of, for example, a chronic disease patient, like a diabetes patients, to change, to motivate them to change their lifestyles. And a lot of time, chronic diseases from research, if you change your lifestyles, it really have a huge impact in terms of your clinical outcomes, right? So through this logic, Netflix or Disney Plus, they have something to help in the healthcare as well. They could motivate or change the behavior of the patients to, you know, change their lifestyles, right? Otherwise, they a lot of times they, they don't really want to move um, or they have a kind of a diet problems, for example, that they can't really change, right? For example, when you go to a clinic and the doctor tell you that, oh, you need to uh, reduce your intake of sugar, right? Of course, at, at that moment, you'll be like, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do it. But when you get home and when you see a really delicious cake on your table or you're really, really hungry, it's really hard to resist that cake, right? So sometimes behavior change is really hard and difficult. All right, so um, if I, uh, if we look into the technology of healthcare, uh, what, are, what are some of the technology being involved um, in order to enable patients to receive care outside of traditional clinical settings, right? So a lot of time we see uh, wearable sensors um, that can monitor or detect the or record the patient's activities or biomarkers such as the oxygen saturations. Um, the smartphone camera um, that can capture the health images of, for example, skin lesions. And that will enable the remote uh, patient examinations via the telemedicines. Um, like what I mentioned before, the in-home connected virtual assistants uh, like Google Home, uh, it, not only it can provide you with um, some health info if you ask for it, but it can also collect some of your habits. If you talk to it a lot, it probably knows your you know, music habits or so on. So it probably can collect a lot more of your habits. And if you're deviating from your normal, it, it will give you a notifications. Um, next is um, telemedicine, as a lot of you know that uh, remote care 
um, can be provided by the, uh, the healthcare professional virtually. Um, personal health records, um, I think if it goes online, it really facilitate that care um, continuity. Um, and, and I think we're really lucky that um, Taiwan has, has one right now. And next is the care team text messages that enables the, um, allows the healthcare professionals to proactively communicate with patients at home. Uh, consumer mobile apps, um, it, I will talk about a little bit later on, but um, it, it provides the healthcare services outside the traditional uh, clinical settings. And lastly, is actually the next topic I'm going to talk about is the digital the therapeutics. All right, so before I get into too much of digital therapeutics, if I ask you a question, if I said this treatment, how many treatment methods can you think of that possibly a, a doctor could prescribe to you traditionally if you, if you happen to need to go to a hospital and um, get a treatment from a doctor? I guess um, these are four um, treatments um, you could think of being a doctor prescribing you a drug or tell you that you have to do surgeries or get a bio implants or get a medical device. But have you ever thought that the mobile phone that you carry with you every day could potentially become a treatment to your health condition as well? And more specifically, is the app sitting on your phone that could be a treatment. That could be a digital treatment, actually. So um, I'm not really talking about a lousy app um, that you see in your Apple store. Um, this, this, these are real stories from the US. Uh, Livongo is an IPO company. They um, use, it combines the glucose monitoring device with a digital app to help diabetes patients to manage their glucose level. Omada, they use this app right here, you can see to help the obesity patients to manage their weight. And Propeller um, combined the inhaler with the, a digital app to um, help the um, patients with asthma. And here is another classic examples in digital therapeutics. And I think that this area is actually uh, trending right now. Um, is that getting really, really popular? Is using the um, video games to help uh, ADHD children to stay focused. And this video game is actually being FDA approved, which means it's actually uh, effective to help ADHD kids. Um, and this really transform our kind of our traditional thinking that um, kids playing video game is really bad. But I think with careful designs um, from experts or specialists in this area and clinical studies or clinical trials, um, these video games can really become a digital treatment. So um, what there are two large areas uh, that digital therapeutics focus on right now. First is the chronic diseases and the behavioral health. And the reason why is that there is a huge, massive market 
for example, in the US, there's a billion dollars market that is well suited for the um, digital therapeutics um, paradigms. And the reason why is that, as I mentioned be before, behavior change um, is very difficult. And uh, from the examples I've shown you, digital therapeutics could manage the chronic disease by promoting treatment compliance and behavior modifications. But then um, from those examples that I've shown you, um, digital therapeutics looks like an app sitting on your phone. But I think it's more than that. It's more than just an app. It is actually a whole program. This whole program, it, will, it includes the education materials, the coach help. Um, it could combine with a monitoring device and software uh, notifications. And with the intentions to educate and manage conditions and really treating it. Um, and the outcome is that I really want to improve the clinical outcomes of the patients and reduce healthcare costs. So um, if I summarize it, digital therapeutics um, is a kind of a personalized treatment um, by collecting um, your data um, from your daily life and using these data to change your behavior. And with the phone that is with you almost for your entire time, I guess, uh, is trying to deploy the right intervention at the right time for the right patients. And I think this is completely different from the traditional um, healthcare. So, um, oh, all right. So uh, in terms of the digital therapeutics, it's like what I mentioned, is not really just a lousy app uh, or just a video games or just an app. A lot of times uh, it has to be clinically validated. So like some of the company that I mentioned before, they actually have done uh, solid clinical trials on this and their peer reviewed evidence. So you can see this flywheels, um, what they're trying to do is um, they start off with collecting data of your daily life or collecting data from just a small population of patients and then they demonstrate that using this app will generate, uh, will improve the clinical outcomes of these patients. And they could use these outcomes to convince more patients to join their program. So then they could um, collect more data and it becomes a positive flywheel. Uh, in terms of um, uh, acquires or uh, business that, that are interested in acquiring additional health companies. Um, Biopharma is one. And what they could get is um, data aggregations and it could also improve their efficacies and generate new revenue. Um, the healthcare payers, uh, this is more specifically in, in the US. Um, they have healthcare insurance companies. If they use these app or adopt it in their um, program, it could potentially give them cost saving, some competitive advantages because they have this new technology compared to other healthcare program and increased member engagements. Uh, medical devices companies, they will also be interested like Propeller Health that I mentioned to you before has actually been acquired by ResMed. And this, through this digital therapeutics solutions, 
it could really help him to increase adherence. That's another thing. Um, it's a big problem uh, in a lot of medical devices or wearable devices company, they, what they face, because um, a wearable device is kind of a cool gadget that you probably use for a few weeks, but later on, you probably forgot to wear it or you're not interested in using it at all. And, um, or within the digital ther uh, therapeutics um, sector, uh, they're also interested in acquiring more or combined with a lot more digital therapeutics companies like Lavongo, right? So they want to increase verticals. So not just only looking into diabetes, they want to look into more than outside of diabetes um, using this um, digital therapeutic solutions. So I think um, that's the end of my um, talk for today. And I'm really happy to um, answer some of the questions if you have ones, or you could uh, reach out to me through Lincoln's or emails. Okay, very thank you, Dr. Beverly, give us a very insightful presentation about digital health and decentralized healthcare. And actually we got a question. Um, so uh, Dr. Beverly, can you share some examples about how Netflix and Disney Plus uh, this kind of entertainment sources be involved in healthcare? Is it like smartphone or movies may gradually make the audience have uh, behavior change? Mm -hmm. All right, so um, in terms of Netflix, I, I do have one example. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, Netflix is uh, a platform kind of for movies or dramas, right? And uh, what happened was, this is a real example. Uh, I'm not sure whether you heard of an app called Headspace, you know, your head and space. It is actually the most popular um, app for um, kind of uh, mental health in, in the mental health area. And what they're trying to promote is um, kind of uh, mindfulness, right? How to help you to calm down or help you to sleep better and help you to do meditations, right? So um, this is an app and they not only um, promote their, um, this app through, you know, conventional channels, right? They actually uh, make some video about meditations because meditations kind of have a negative connotation sometimes when you say meditations, right? Um, people don't really understand what's going on behind it. So they try to educate people what is actually meditations. And they actually create cute, really cute cartoons trying to um, educate people what, what, what is meditations. And they put these cartoons onto Netflix um, to help people to understand uh, meditations. And they also give you some kind of uh, teaser into, oh, you can try out meditations, trying to watch these videos about how to do uh, meditations and you can do it in your daily life, right? And then um, through that probably will change your behavior, right? You probably want to adopt meditation into your life because it's going to be helpful for your mental health. So I think that's, that's one of the examples that I have seen recently. Thank you. Thank you for your I mean, feedback and response. So uh, yeah, actually, yeah, technology is shaping our daily life. Mm -hmm. So even myself, my phone, there are a lot of 
apps is related to health. Mm -hmm. to give me some feedback or monitor my health conditions. Mm -hmm. So uh, there is another question uh, for early diagnosis or treatment. I think it is also based on how we know the disease. So which disease or which direction of the diagnosis or treatment is the right one to develop a decentralized healthcare system from your perspective? <laughs> uh, that, that's that's a, a, a really huge question. Uh, yeah. I, think, I think for almost all, all kinds of diseases that you have seen recently, uh, like say, for, for example, Parkinson's diseases, uh, even uh, Alzheimer and so on, mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of uh, technology out there that are trying to do early detections, right, or even preventions. So I think any any type of diseases. But um, I think when you're trying to um, trying to do preventions or trying to do early detect detections or diagnosis, uh, you really need to look into what's really what's the mechanism behind it, right? So what's the real science behind it that you can actually prevent or detect. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, then, then you start to think, oh, how do I make it into a point of care technology? Right. So I think first you really need to find the science behind it. Then you go into developing the technology. Yeah, exactly. So another question is about your slide. You have shown one, the creative best value. And the idea is about ship the intervention to lower cost provider. Mm -hmm. And actually, it's uh, quite confusing to the audience, I mean, the, the, the question raiser. So can you elaborate more on this idea? Like what kind of intervention could be met or to the provide uh, values? Right. So um, for example, um, if I, I'm, th that's just a really broad terms that could be applied to any uh, medtech innovations. But I give you kind of a, maybe one of the um, examples that if, if there is, for example, if there is a disease that you really need to go to the hospital, mm -hmm. right, to get it done, mm -hmm. right? But um, the problem is, if you want to go to a hospital to get a traditional surgery, for example, you probably need to stay overnight or um, your wound probably is going to be huge or you probably have a risk of infection, so you have to stay overnight, for example. But then now, if you have a new technology that can, this surgery can be done in a clinic, right? And um, it, it won't create a, a huge wound. You don't really need to open up such a huge wound, right? Then you're really lowering the cost by um, reducing the number of, stay, number, uh, number of days to stay in the hospital. Mm -hmm. uh, the patient probably just go to a clinic and get the surgery done, um, then they can go home. So I can kind of think of one example is um, Da Vinci, but then, mm -hmm. uh, but then if it's not really available at the clinic, but it's available at a hospital. So it used to be, you need to go to the hospital to stay a few days. Now, because of Da Vinci, the wound that you have is just so small um, you can just be discharged straight away or a few hours later your, after your surgeries. So I think that's kind of one of the uh, examples. Okay, yeah. great, thanks for your answer. And, and actually there are two similar questions, so I, I integrate it into one. So mm -hmm. compared to the high tech or those big companies you, you just mentioned, mm 
So how can a small business do for the decentralized healthcare within a very limited resource? And another one is about, so you, you talk about the digital healthcare. So how can a medical device company like, like Windows, how, how can we promote on this domain? All right, so um, that, that's also <laughs> a really tough questions. Um, but then I, I will tell you um, a lot of time, it's really tough. It's really tough to even get rich of the, the salespersons or the, 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 you know, the, the, the key person in the medtech company. It's really hard, it's difficult. But then I, I can share something is that uh, first thing you, what uh, other people have done, what I've seen is that uh, you start off with a, a niche market or a niche populations. And then you kind, you, from, from there, you prove that your technology work and you really generate clinical outcomes. And then through there, through there, you can bring that evidence to the big tech company. So I, for example, uh, what Levongo or even Omada has done was that they're, they're small players, right? Back in the day, they're small players. And what they have done interesting in their business model mm -hmm. is that they have done that. They, they show some data that their app really, really work, right? in a small right. population to generate mm -hmm. some of the data and outcomes. And then they go to the, um, like, they don't go straight to um, like Medicare. That's, that's in the US. They're, um, US, Medicare is being sponsored by the US government mm -hmm. or uh, through the reimbursement channel. They didn't mm -hmm. go through that channels. They right. went to the private payers. Mm. So private payers, uh, they are the, like Google, they're such a huge company, right? Or Walmart, they're such a huge company. They have a lot of employees, right? So they have their own insurance for those employees. So these company, they actually went to Google or Walmart and showed this data to them, go like, if your uh, employees use this um, app, it will help them, for example, uh, become healthier, right? A lot of Americans really have diabetes problems. So mm -hmm. they tell them, if you use this app uh, from our data, really reduce this glucose amounts per year. Mm -hmm. right? And they actually convert that clinical outcome number into how much they can help them to save per year. So they right. actually tell them, if, if your patients reduce this amount of glucose level per year, you're right. actually saving thousand dollars per person per year mm -hmm. that's one thing that's what they have done they convert it into economic value then the company immediately understand what's going on right they really save money down the road so that's right. one thing second thing what omada has done they're pretty pretty clever is that uh it's kind of it's a new new thing right so people are really skeptical about it so they mm -hmm. tell them that if your employee use my app if, and then I, I promise you that your employee will definitely reduce four to 5% weight per year. If your patient did not achieve this goal by using mm -hmm. this app, mm -hmm. uh, I, I'll give you, you don't need to charge me a full amount of money, not a hundred percent. You can ask for a discount in terms of my fee, right? And um, if, of course, if it, if it hit the target, you pay me full amount. 
Mm -hmm. Right. So then that's kind of drive the incentive for the 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 private payer to adopt it, right? But why not give it a try? Even like what you have mentioned, you mm -hmm. help me to save money. And then if they're not save money, then I don't need to pay you as much as we promised before. Right. So I think that's kind of some kind of in terms of business, you can really drive the incentive of those companies uh, to to um, to adopt. Right. So but adoption is it's kind of difficult. So you kind of have to navigate through and understand that sector well, I think. Okay, thank you, Dr. Ville. Actually, we, we still have other questions, but sorry, uh, I think the time's up. So we won't be able to, I mean, reply to you right now, but we will reply to you, I mean, after the webinar. So, well, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ville. Thank you for your sharing and your presentation and your Q&A session. It's very insightful. I mean, discussion here. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you, everyone. See you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.